In a world ravaged by an impending threat that could wipe out humanity, there is a nation where two factions have brought it to the brink of civil war. And in that nation, there is a high school whose students are pushed to their human limits by its insane workload. But all is not lost for those students, because hope is on the horizon. Coming soon to a podcast playing thingamabob near you, Keeping It Arcadia presents A Whole New World. Greetings, Apaches. I'm your host, Lauren Sung, and welcome to Keeping Arcadia Season 3, Episode 6, titled A Whole New World. Brought to you by Arcadia Unified School District Student Power Digital Communications Internship, aka DCI. Whew, that was a lot. Before we take a look into the sensational new developments that are impacting Arcadia life, make sure to like, comment on, and share all of Keeping Arcadia's posts on all of Arcadia Unified social media platforms, but also like, download, and subscribe to the Keeping It Arcadia podcast on Spotify, Apple's podcast app, and Podbean. Let's begin. For decades, Arcadia Theater has entertained the public with quality shows that continue to be praiseworthy and unforgettable. But what new surprises does this semester behold? What will Arcadia's theater troupe bring to the stage this time? Leila Nunez ventured deep into the world of theater and managed to snag an interview with some of the cast from the upcoming play, She Kills Monsters. Here we go. Hello, my name is Leila Nunez and I am here with Zoe and Emily, the two leads in Arcadia Stage's upcoming production, She Kills Monsters. So, first of all, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Uh, okay, my name's Emily Fan. My name is Zoe Lamb. All right, my first question is, who do you play in the production? Uh, I play Tilly Evans. And I play her older sister, Agnes Evans. What is She Kills Monsters about? Um, It's about a girl who has lost her younger sister and has to explore a D&D game in order to get to know more about her and then conquer the monsters that she has in her life. Yeah, and a lot of it is just about, you know, experiencing and learning to accept different kinds of people, accept yourself, too. What part of your characters do you admire the most, and what aspect of these characters do you relate to the most? So I think the part of my character that I admire the most is that they learn a lot. It's like they're always, I feel like they go through a lot, and because of that, they're really strong in having to, you know, take all of the situation in, like her sister died and having to learn about her through a book and like not knowing anything about it, but going into it and being willing to experience it. I think that's really admirable. And the most relatable part I feel is everything because my character is about growth, about self-growth and development. And that's what everyone goes through. That's great. Um, my character, I admire the most the part I remind her most about my character is that she's so unapologetic about who she is and what she likes, and she never cowers in fear. Well, she she never changes herself to fit in to the big population, and she's she has such a strong personality and uh and her own character, and she's so comfortable in her own character. And the part that I relate to the most about her is that um, 
you know, she's so different from everyone else, but at, and at the same time, like she's proud of it, and I feel like that's a part of myself that I'm think that I am. I don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I think we can learn a lot from those two characters. So. Arcadia Stage is like a really great program like yeah I've heard so much about it and I, I understand that it's very accurate to like the audition process and the way everything is directed so could you describe the audition process and how each of you guys prepared for it so like for sports they have this thing called hell week where it's basically them conditioning and exercising a whole bunch before the season starts for us we have audition week so it's kind of like preparing for like the fall play and we also have this competition coming up tomorrow which is really scary but um it's like we audition for both things at once and so what we had to do is like we found a monologue and then we perform that they see our you know acting abilities and then they we also have like uh, we sign up for characters we're interested in, and then we read like a scene from the play, and they see our chemistry with like different pairings of people. And then later after that, it's like a third round. It's like um, they call back people that they see could fit the role, and then they like mix and match to see which ones work where. <laughs> wow! Whoa, that's a lot. Okay, yeah. so how do you guys prepare for that? Um, first and foremost, we have to read the play and make sure we understand the characters and know what we want and how and come in with the ideas with how we are going to portray that character. And the way I do it is like I make sure I know the play, I make sure I know what the character I'm about to audition for, what they're going through and how they react to things. And I always practice and I always like say my lines. It I sound crazy at home, but it happens. <laughs> oh, great. So how long have you guys been rehearsing for this production? Okay, so like the audition week we mentioned earlier was like, it's the week before school starts. So that's when the cast list comes out and everything, you start getting ready. So that's around like August, September. And then it starts really picking up like around September, October, November, where we're staying back almost every day until six. And then later on, we're gonna have this tech week, which is until nine every day. Until 10. 10 every 10. day. Until 10, 10 every day. And it's like on weekends too at that point. It's like on Saturdays we're here from 10 to 6. And it's like, it's a lot to handle, but it's really fun. And like, we're all here with our friends, which is great. So it seems like because rehearsal takes such a long time, you must have adapted to mm -hmm. the way of the production rehearsals. So what is like one of the most important things you have learned throughout this process? Oh, time management, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, you have so little time at home that you, like, you have so little time, free time to do your homework that you have to really take in every moment that you can to do your homework or to even spend time with your family or friends. And I think that's one of the most valuable lessons I've learned this year because I don't think I've ever experienced this much, um, like, work and stress <laughs> from theater until now. Yeah. And... I think uh, one of the biggest things I've learned is really to get along with everyone. Like, mm -hmm. oh. learning that, like, <laughs> you have to be able to accept people no matter how different they are. Just because, like, we're around these people for the entire day almost. So, like, even if there's someone you don't really jive with, like, you can't be out here, you know, trying to pick fights. You have to find a medium and find ways to relate to others and accept them. Yeah, okay, that seems pretty cool. Um, 
Lastly, if there's anything the audience can take from this show, what would it be? Um, to be who you are and don't apologize for it, and um, to make sure you value uh, your family and the people you love the most because you don't know how long they're going to be there. Would you like to add? No, that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you guys want to include a small little promotion at the end just oh. to advertise the show? Yes. All right. So our show is She Kills Monsters. Um, it's being performed. We're performing it on November 14, 15, and 16 at 7 p.m. Tickets are $10 for students and seniors, $15 for general admission. You can get them at ArcadiaStage.com or you can buy them from any cast or crew member. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our society prizes the little ones in life and is dedicated to giving them the best childhood they can have. Yet none at AHS do this better than the Care for Kids Club, who sought to host a new social event to bring joy to the little kids of Arcadia. To investigate this marvelous spectacle, podcast member Anya Yang surged forth to get the story behind it. Hello, my name is Anya Yang, and today I'll be interviewing Jasmine Ong, Care for Kids president. Hi, Jasmine. Could you tell us a little bit about the club? Hi, I'm Jasmine Ong, and Care for Kids is a service club at Arcadia High School that is dedicated to serving our community and providing opportunities for children. I think opportunities is a really broad term, but for our club, it can range from anything like hosting educational events, helping kids find their interests, to working with charity organizations such as the Foothill Unity Center or Operation Christmas Child and helping the less fortunate. It can even just be giving kids someone closer to their age to interact with and maybe look up to. Um, our motto is there's nothing better than making a positive difference in a child's life. And I really stand by that because at such a young age, it's really important to encourage kids that they can be anything or anyone they want to be and that the possibility possibilities for them are endless. By participating in so many events, I believe that each one can make a small difference in someone's life, but hopefully one day they'll add up to have some great effect on our community and maybe the future. That's really interesting. So how many members are there currently and who are the officers? Currently we have over 150 members, but it's still early in the year and our memberships continue to grow throughout the school year, especially because people learn about us from their friends and our Instagram at careforkidsahs. <laughs> our officer team is made up of seven officers, so I'm the president and I communicate with our advisor, Mr. Albert Sylvia, who has been so supportive this year, especially because we've grown so large in numbers that we had to move locations and he's just been really helpful in that entire process. I also lead our officer and club meetings alongside Riley Chu, who is our vice president, and Roshan Cannon is our treasurer who manages all of our financials, our accounts, fundraisers, and membership fees, while Valerie Huang is our secretary and she takes notes, and with the help of our officers, she diligently signs in all of our members every meeting, which is so crazy because we're such a big club. Brandon Trin is our activities commissioner and he works with local organizations and schools to plan and find events for our members and really spread our impact as a club. 
Elise Fong is our historian and she documents all of our events through amazing, amazing photos. And she manages our Instagram account and keeps all of our members up to date on what's happening. And Vita Kasuri is our Interclubs Council or ICC representative and she helps keep a connection between us, ASB, and all the other clubs on campus so we can collaborate and work together as a cohesive group. As such a big club, there are probably lots of events to cover. What kind of events do Care for Kids usually volunteer at? Care for Kids covers a wide variety of events, actually, because we have such a great relationship with all the elementary schools in the school districts and their PTSAs, so we're able to help out at events like STEAM nights, family movie nights, trunk or treats, and so many more. In addition, we have holiday-specific events that aren't connected to um, the elementary schools in our district, like Operation Christmas Child, where all of our members work together and donate gifts to less fortunate children. One of our biggest events of the year is actually Relay for Life at Santa Anita Park. We do it every year and our entire club participates. We fold and string over 400 origami cranes and we sell them to raise money for childhood leukemia research. All of our proceeds go to the American Cancer Society and I think it's just a really important and powerful event not only because this event takes a whole semester to prepare for and we're helping raise money for charity, but also because the cranes we fold have attracted a loyal following of customers over the years, and they truly believe that these cranes instill a sense of hope and strength for the survivors and for our members and even for the community. So there was a pretty big event last Friday, the Longley Way Fall Festival. How long has Care for Kids been working in collaboration with Longley Way for the festival, or was this one a first? So this is actually Care for Kids' first year helping out um, at Longley Way with its fall festival. Last year, we helped out at Trunk or Treats across the city and at K Kids Space Museum's fall festival. But this year, we were requested by Longley Way, and with so many eager members looking to help out, we did both Longley Way's fall festival and Camino's Trunk or Treat. What was your personal favorite part about this year's fall festival? Personally, my favorite part of the fall festival was my booth, the Monster Snob booth in which we had a giant monster board and kids had to reach into his nostrils and dip their hands in this nasty sticky green snot, which was made up of shaving cream and paint and they had to dig for a lost treasure, which was a mini paperclip in exchange for the final hole punch so they could collect their prize. It was just a really fun and messy booth because it's always great to see their shocked reactions as they feel the cool stickiness of the shaving cream and their, parents, and their parents' expressions are really funny as they pull out their gooey hands out of the monster's nostrils and they try to show them off, but their parents are kind of running away. <laughs> but I also think it's a really great experience for the kids because they learn to push their boundaries and build their courage because a lot of them were scared at first, maybe because of the gross green coloring, but with a little help, they're able to get out of their comfort zone and try something new. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. So besides the fall festival, what other events do Care for Kids volunteer at in the autumn? Besides the fall festival, other great events for Care for Kids would be trunk or treats and carnivals. But I think my favorite is definitely the Thanksgiving packaging event that the Foothill Unity Center holds. Every year, we send about 50 members or more to help package and put together boxes of canned goods for families in need. And it's always a great event because although we don't directly interact with kids, it really encompasses the real meaning of the holidays to be able to spend a few hours the weekend before Thanksgiving and give back to our community, community alongside groups like the Scouts, 
and Apache football. And sometimes we even see staff members and a lot of community, community members we wouldn't be able to meet without events like this. So hopefully I'll see you at the next Care for Kids meeting every Tuesday in the South Gym. And thank you so much for interviewing me. Thank you, Jasmine, for telling us all about Care for Kids. To keep up with the club, you can follow them on Instagram at careforkidsahs. Thank you. Finally, Nina Wang braved the burning glory of the man, the myth, the courageous leader of the Keeping It Arcadia podcast team, Jeffrey Lee, to piece together the epic tale of how he wowed the masses and even received praise from Arcadia's mayor by publishing a brand spanking new book. Listen in. Hello everyone, my name is Nina Wang and I'm here with Jeffrey Lee who recently published a book. So, Jeffrey, can you tell us about your book? Right, so this book is called Juicy Scenarios for You to Read and it's all the stories have come from me participating in this organization called Future Problem Solving for the past six years. So inside uh, this Future Problem Solving organization, this program which teaches uh, students not what to think, but how to think. And it hosts um, a, a couple of competitions to um, help students foster their futuristic thinking. I've competed in this competition that they offer called Scenario Writing, which is where we're given four to five futuristic topics to choose from, which can range from nanotechnologies to megacities to space. So the whole point of the competition is that we're tasked with writing a futuristic short story that is 1,500 words long. And I've been doing it for six years now, from sixth grade all the way to 11th grade. And I thought, you know, what if I just put it all together into a book? So that's what I did. I put them all together. I went back and I reread my old stories, as painful as it was. I put what I liked and didn't like about each one, my writing process that I could remember when writing each one, and my best writing tips. And that basically became my book, Juicy Scenarios for You to Read. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, so you have multiple stories within your book. Which is your favorite? Um, my favorite story has to be the last one in the book, and it's called The Dragon. So um, it's the story centers around a boy with an overactive imagination and a mom who is really tough on him but really just wants the best for him. And not only did it place, <laughs> it place really well, it placed first at internationals, but it's really personal to me and parts of it I drew inspiration from my own life, and it was probably my favorite story to write, too. Wow. Uh, what prompted you to start writing for California Future Problem Solving? So I was first introduced to California Future Problem Solving when my brother first competed when I was in the fifth grade. Uh, and I was able to skip school to go watch him, and I thought, you know, it's so cool to be able to <laughs> skip school just to go to this event and, you know, maybe get a trophy, too. So um, when I was in uh, sixth grade, then I joined when I had the first chance, and there are multiple competitions within Future Problem Solving. Um, and I thought I was a stronger writer, so I went and did scenario writing. And um, I was able to, I was fortunate enough to go to internationals in my first year, and then I, um, and then we at internationals we have this event called the Team Scenario Writing Event, which is you write a scenario writing. You write a story on site with a group of people you've never met before from from places all over the world, right? So, I was partnered with a Turkish girl who wrote, who could write only in Turkish, uh, a boy from Michigan, and a girl with a thick accent from Malaysia. So, it was a rough, like, 
half an hour or so in the beginning when we were trying to still figure things out. We had to draw some stuff on paper so that we could really communicate. But after those two hours that we were given, we were able to create a story that we were really proud of. And that's when I really got hooked into future problem solving. Hmm. What lessons did you learn throughout your book writing journey? Um, definitely do your research. Uh, what, what you don't know about publishing is that uh, at least publishing on Amazon is that Amazon takes 30% of your book sales when you publish it as an ebook and 40% when you publish it as a paperback. And Amazon, for the paperback, Amazon handles all of the manufacturing, the shipping, and the handling of the book, but you have to pay for the cost of manufacturing it, which is why my paperback book is so much more expensive than my mm -hmm. ebook. But, you know, overall, it was a wonderful experience. And because you published a book, uh, what advice can you give to any young aspiring authors? Well, uh, for my best writing advice, you can go and purchase my book, Juicy Scenarios, for you to read on Amazon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, a couple of my top tips are to prize writing as smoothly as possible above all else. You want to see, you want to make it seem like your writing is coming straight from a novel. Um, and I think that's the golden standard you should really aim for. And also, your first, draft, your first draft is never going to be perfect. So don't waste your time in agonizing over every word, trying to make it so. Just put your ideas down onto paper. That's the quick first step. And then you can go back and revise how many times you'd like. Good advice. Uh, that concludes our interview. Thank you so much for coming and interviewing and answering my questions. No problem. You know what? For some reason, I just love the Keith and Arcadia podcast. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to Season 3, Episode 6. Once again, like, comment, and subscribe to indulge in more of Keeping It Arcadia. Please visit the list of all our episodes on our new AUSD DCI page. Woo! The link is dciausd.weebly.com. Before we end, we would like to thank AUSD's Chief Communications Officer, Ryan Ferran, and Public Information Officer, Amber Nuvali, for making all of this possible. Without them, who knows what you'd be doing right now. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. This is Keeping Arcadia signing off.